The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. This is Squawk Box. The dollar declines as the Fed is expected to stay cautious on the recovery, while J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon tells CNBC the central bank has succeeded in averting another financial crisis. What they didn't want was a global financial crisis in addition to a great recession. That's where markets closed down and people can't get money. And so they kept the markets open, which benefited everybody. You know, they don't need it right now. They're so wide open that they don't need to be pumping it up anymore. Just let let nature take its way. Standard Chartered CEO Bill Winters tells CNBC low rates keep hurting bank profitability, saying he hopes central banks can back away from accommodative measures soon. There's a lot of ongoing heavy lifting that's being done by central banks. Uh, what we can hope, obviously, is that on the back of that, when we see the back end of this pandemic, uh, that we get the uh, the real economy kicking in so that the, the Fed and, and other central banks can at least back off a little bit on the easing. Microsoft hikes its quarterly dividend by 10%, sending shares higher, while the tech giant's executive vice president addresses the TikTok saga as the White House suggests a partnership with Oracle is nearing. I'm not going to add any more words, Jeff, to, to, this, uh, to the comments we made publicly. And uh, we keep going with, the, the, again, the core mission of a company where we want to enable the customer success of many organizations on the planet. And that's a lot to do. And by the rumor, sell the fact. Shares in Apple give up early gains as CEO Tim Cook unveils a virtual fitness service alongside a new iWatch and iPad. Healthcare providers, insurance companies, and businesses are also seeing the benefits of offering Apple Watch. They know it can make a big difference in the lives of their patients, customers, and employees. I know where you were. I thought, you'd, I thought you'd abandon me after only one day. Normally it takes three before you get fed up with me. Oh, you think Monday's show was that good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Tuesday, you went yes. around the morning, then I saw no. you zooming in on your high-powered motorbike. Yes. Uh, and you were interviewing Jamie Diamond. And then I was zooming in the afternoon oh, uh, very for the good. Singapore Summit. Very good. Yeah, you yeah, absolutely. And it was a terrific uh, panel, I so have to say. So you had Jamie Diamond. Yep, I had Jamie Diamond. Um, I had uh, Jean-Philippe Courtois from, from Microsoft. Microsoft. Yep. Uh, uh, Jeremy Farrer yes. from uh, Welcome. And Nancy was talking to Bill Winters. Uh, Nancy was talking to Bill Winters. You lot were busy. Uh, Judith Rodine uh, from yes. uh, Penn University. Yes. She's written a lot about uh, resilience and I about impact investing. I think I've investing. her in Davos. Yeah, so. well, I mean, when, when, you, when a crisis comes, yeah. you, you, know, you, you dive for your Judith Rodine to yes. see what she has yes. to say about persistence yeah. and resilience. And, yeah. Are we going to uh, so do sound as well? We've got we, some Jamie Diamond. Lots of sound. Oh, Chris, I'll just sit sound. back and listen to you wax lyrically well, for three no, hours. Well, because you're going to have to be eloquent on the markets now. Oh, OK. Well, for once upon a raw and gusty day, the US markets didn't do a lot, actually. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> down, that was Julius Caesar, by the way. Uh, down, uh, I think it was Caesar, to Cassius. Uh, down at four points, the S&P, the fair values, which means the implied open is up eight. Uh, the Dow implied open up 59.4. These are the uh, markets compared with fair value. But in terms of yesterday, there wasn't a vast amount going on the Dow flat. That was a pancake. The S&P was up 18 points. The Nasdaq was up 1.2. I'm not quite sure why we're showing the U.S. Uh, 
markets fair value rather than actually where they closed yesterday. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, the Nasdaq gain, uh, 30 points of that was the Dow. Uh, moving on to the transports now. I think there's all kinds of things going on in the gallery. I think they realise they've got the wrong board. Um, here we go. The transports are up uh, 0.841%. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was tired this morning. Right, okay, let's have a look at the dollar crosses. Your headline said the dollar's declining across the board. I noticed the yuan uh, is at a 16-month high versus the greenback, 6.7672. Uh, that one's not on that screen there, though, but you can see the dollar giving back a little bit of ground, 105.28 versus the uh, Japanese currency. So, the aforementioned sound. Yeah, the... Uh Uh, the CEO of JP Morgan has told CNBC the Fed has helped to avert another financial crisis. Uh, I spoke to Jamie Diamond for the Singapore summit about his previous concern over the Fed's policies and asked if it was time for the central bank to acknowledge its own actions. It's a very complex question. So I think it's a mistake to say because it helped the wealthy, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do it. Because the reason they didn't isn't for that. The reason they did it is to lift up the economy. And if you don't lift up the economy, the people who are going to suffer the most are the poor. So I, I think that the Fed is thinking about how do we lift up the economy? And if accidentally it helps a wealthy person, so be it. But they shouldn't hurt a wealthy person to make someone feel good. And so I think, I think that they're doing the right thing now, which is to let us get through this. There are going to be serious issues about government deficits, uh, uh, fiscal and monetary stimulation. That's kind of a secondary problem right now. This is the problem. We should get through this and hopefully cooler heads will prevail how we can kind of unwind some of this stuff wisely. There are huge fixes to income inequality. I mean, you could have negative income taxes, you could fi fix uh, education. Uh, so to me, there are a lot of things we should be doing to help the poor and stuff like that. Federal policy is not the thing that's gonna actually, they, they should focus on making the economy grow. And that's the other problem with some of the governments. They don't focus, they don't focus on growth strategies. They, they, they have policies that don't help growth. If you had 1% higher growth in the United States over a 10-year period, that would be $4 trillion of GDP. And, and you know, that's, that's like 10000 per person extra. You know, and that pays for a lot of social safety net taxes. And, and so we don't focus on growth anymore, healthy growth. We focus on is blaming each other and, and we stifle ourselves because we're in, unable to do very basic stuff. And, it's, and again, it's long-term thinking, real policy with real facts and analysis, not guessing and not looking at year over year. The year over year stuff has become has just become a, a, a waste of time and it causes us to make really dumb decisions. Jamie, you're, you're in a fortunate position where you get into the room with the people that are making these decisions at the moment. So your advice to Jay Powell would be just do nothing at this stage, keep policy as it is, but when you talk to those in the federal government, now it's your turn to pick up some more of the heavy lifting. Yeah, I think that the Fed want, didn't want, I mean, look, we knew we were going to go into this great recession, but they didn't, I think, I'm speaking for them, which I shouldn't be doing, but that they, what they didn't want was a global financial crisis in addition to a great recession. That's where markets closed down and people can't get money. And so they kept the markets open, which benefited everybody. You know, they don't need it right now. They're so wide open that they don't need to be pumping it up anymore. Just let let nature take its way. And so, you know, then you, you can look at the day to day things that they do. But I think you do need and the government did do payroll checks, small business uh, support, a bunch of stuff. It really aimed at 
people, not aimed at companies and stuff like that. Well, they, of course, they help companies too, but they were aimed at helping people keep money in their pockets so they could spend money. And, and, the, and yes, we're going to need another little round. It doesn't have to be $2 trillion, but I think we need a little bit more for small business, particularly for small business and, and those who are long-term unemployed. Well, that was uh, Jamie Dimon then suggesting the Fed should do nothing at this stage. Standard Chartered's uh, Bill Winters, the CEO of that group, also telling CNBC he hopes the Fed will pull back from easing measures soon. But from the Fed perspective, they're, they're doing a massive amount already. And I think central banks around the world, between the uh, zero interest rates or negative interest rates in, in some cases, uh, the, the massive uh, buying, the, the, the sort of forced flattening of the yield curve and the, and the effectively forced compression of credit spreads, uh, which are, you know, these are all ongoing programs. Uh, there's a lot of, of ongoing uh, heavy lifting that's being done by central banks. Uh, what we can hope, obviously, is that on, on the back of that, when, when we see the back end of this pandemic, uh, that we get the, uh, the real economy kicking in so that the, the, the Fed and, and other central banks can at least back off a little bit on the easing and let markets function a little bit more normally themselves. But it doesn't feel like we're there just yet. Well, it's interesting. So here we've got two major bankers uh, who are suggesting that actually the Fed should be done at this point and shouldn't be doing any more at this stage. And it was interesting. I was reading the market commentary, as as you were, no doubt, this morning. And uh, a lot of the lines that were coming out of the market analysts, um, quote, uh, the risk is if we see no new development since the Jackson Hole shout out, this could put near-term pressure on yields ticking up, gold and precious metals complex lower, dollar higher, and general risk off in U.S. equities. So in the markets, we've got this old Pavlovian reaction where they just want the Fed to do something. Give us forward guidance. Give us balance sheet adjustment. And then you've got the bankers out there who, I guess, don't want to see yields fall even further at this point, who are saying, no, 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 no. The Fed shouldn't be doing anything at this stage. Let the healing of the economic recovery continue. Yes, you talked about the bankers, you talked about the markets, and then just referring to what can actually heal the economy as well. And I, I do, I, I'm no sycophant, I, I hope, but I do like listening to what Jamie Dimon had to say there. Mm. Uh, and it makes total sense. Where is the long term fiscal planning? Where, and, and early on in that first bit of sound from Jamie Dimon, he talked about education. Now, I know this chimes with you because I remember many of the significant things you've said over the years. And I remember one of your rants, actually, about five, six years ago about productivity and about education being the key. It's almost as if Jamie Dimon watched Squawk Box five years ago and said, yeah, that Cutmore's got it right. Because the fact of the matter is, without education, you're not going to address inequality. Without uh, better productivity of uh, the medium worker, you're not going to address inequality as well. Now, I know Jamie Dimon, many of our viewers were saying, hang on, he's one of the richest men on the planet. Is he actually putting his money where his mouth is? And I don't know the answer to that as well. But what he's saying sounds pretty sensible about A, productivity, B, fiscal support, C, long-term thinking. And I noticed he didn't mention Mr. Trump at all. He didn't mention the current administration, but he was very damning about dumb short-term policies uh, and a waste of term, time on short-termism uh, that we see from politicians. And I presume he's talking about politicians of all stripes rather than just the current administration. Yeah, I mean, I did talk to him about the uh, standoff that we've got between the Democrats and the Republicans on stimulus at the moment, and he does address that. So we're going to hear some of that sound 
sound a bit later on in the programme. Well, Banker's saying they want wider nims. I mean, you know, yeah. a bit of surprise. I'm, I'm kind of with you, but I mean, I, I, it's funny. I was just reading through, you know, we get a lot of market summaries, don't we? And yes, I was looking do. at um, one of the summaries we had forward, and it's earnings slash late headlines. And the top headlines, FedEx profit revenue beat as pandemic drives e-commerce bound. Adobe reports sales that tops estimates. Snowflake, this is the cloud iCloud, business, yeah. uh, prices IPO above increased range. Microsoft raises dividend by about 10%. All of this is happening, of course, against the backdrop of 13 million plus continuous claims in the United States. But when you look at those headlines, it does feel as though we're at a point where as far as the corporate recovery is concerned here, maybe the Fed should just stand pat at this stage. Let's let some of the mist of the confusion around the pandemic clear. And then ultimately we can see where the pain is in the economy. And at the moment, the pain seems to be on Main Street and with those who are now unemployed or losing their jobs as the furlough support scheme comes off, not in a lot of these companies that seem yeah. to be doing better. But again, as, as Mr. Draghi had to do for many years, again, I have I, I don't like QE particularly, I don't like negative rates, but I have great empathy for why the central bankers have done what they've done because of the lack of activity on the fiscal front and from a political front as well. Mm. So in a similar vein, how can Jay Powell just sit there and watch the inactivity on Capitol Hill, the lack of infrastructure spend despite what the administration has promised for many, many years? A trillion dollars isn't a new number, ladies and gentlemen. It's been talked about for at least four years years as well, perhaps a lot longer than that as well. Mm. So I hear what you're saying about the central banks, but can you just sit there and watch the pain and suffering? You mentioned Main Street, you know, the, the unemployment queues, um, the, the destitution of large parts of society. Mm. Stand by and watch it when you see inactivity on a long term fiscal front and inactivity on longer term spending. Can they just stand there and watch? You've got to feel that they want to try and do something. Mm. Mm. Um, let's talk a bit more about the broader markets mm. here, because uh, I talked to Jamie Dimon about the recent issue. You know, uh, we've been talking a lot in recent days about SoftBank and about what was going on with these call options. <laughs> Did you go there? On the what it, well, so, so that was my question to him, because, you know, this is not market manipulation but there are well, those retail instruments aren't they or, or even if they're exotics they're exactly. pretty vanilla exotics aren't they but the 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 point that i put to jamie diamond is because we got into a conversation about long-term investment and pensions and so forth mm. and the thing i think that makes it difficult for a lot of retail investors is they read these stories and they increasingly feel that this is a game that is rigged on behalf of the larger players well, you with heard very the line, deep didn't pockets. You? That because there was no major sports uh, going on over the summer, a lot mm. of people had their checks, and when they would normally be punting on sport, yeah. they were punting on the markets as well. Oh, what are these call option things? Oh, that must be like a long WTI April contract on oil as well. I'll have a go at that one. Oh, what's this? Oh, it's a leveraged inverse product. I like the sound of that. I can make loads of money on that one. Jamie Diamond had a few things to say, so uh, let's uh, have a... Listen in to what Jamie Dimon's take was then on how these hedge funds have been getting involved in the market. Ultimately, I asked the JP Morgan CEO if people can have confidence in the structure of the market as a result. Honestly, I it's completely unrelated. You know, and if you're in the markets and that bothers you a lot, you probably shouldn't be in the markets. You're not going to stop people from doing things in markets around the world. That's true in communist countries. It's true in socialist countries. It's true in, I'm not in favor of it, by the way. I think it's outrageous if you manipulate anything or do stuff like that. And uh, 
Um, but but I think Judith, the point is much more Judith saying long-term policy and proper investments. I say proper investments because the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I could show you trillions of dollars of examples of governments doing things that actually had the adverse consequence. So it's not just throwing money. You know, people just thought it's the funding. Often, very often, it's not the funding. It's not that we need more money. We need to fix the system. Like think of inner city school education. Like, you know, Judith pointed out that, you know, the structural flaw. You know, so South Bronx, which is doing well with this recovery, is, you know, relatively unemployment had come down like six to six or eight percent, lower than it had been in generations, is now back to 30 percent. The kids who can't go to school don't have computers. So, you know, the affluent, you know, they go home, they sit in nice houses and they have their computers. These kids don't. And so to me, have proper public policy. You can throw all the money you had at certain problems and you will fail if you don't think through how you're going to make it work. So uh, I wouldn't focus on the actions of a few hedge funds. I mean, in the markets every day, I'm going to say the number of securities bought and sold is probably something like $20 trillion. And the press loves to focus on that one little thing. That isn't what matters. And so let's, we need good public policy. In fact, I think it takes your eye off the ball. You start focusing on this one thing, acting like that's the problem. That's not the problem. It's structural. It's many years of bad policy. And I say if fundamentally bad investment or underinvestment. So never short of opinion. Uh, Jamie Dimon then saying, you know, not only have we had a problem with governments thinking too short term, but we've got issues around the way people have thought about the markets over the longer term as well. Um, Jamie Dimon, of course, though, in previous conversations, I think has been asked whether he would be willing to stand for political office. And he's always demurred and said, no, 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 that that's not the direction of travel for me. But increasingly, as you listen to what he has to say, you do wonder if uh, actually a political career career beckons at some stage. Maybe, maybe more philanthropic when he's finished with his JP Morgan time as well. I don't know. But yeah, he's got some great things to say. And, and were they to be in action, who can argue with better productivity? Who can argue with people thinking long term politically? Who can argue with people making investment rather than stagging decisions in the markets? Well, I mean, it, it's all... I don't want to be disingenuous, but it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Mm. Isn't what we try and tell people every day? Don't buy or trade inverse... Uh, leverage products you don't understand. Don't buy call options unless you understand the dynamics of a call option. Don't get involved in a futures contract unless you understand that this thing can go negative potentially now. I mean, to be fair, none of us knew that, that April would close at minus 37 bucks, but it did happen. So you've got to understand your products. It's like you talking about synthetic ETFs as well. Look at how, if you're going to buy an ETF, look at how that thing's constructed. We're nothing else if we're not trying to educate people on a daily basis. And dare I say it, Jamie Dimon would benefit from more education because you'd have more people coming back for more. Not like some of the, and I don't mean to be having a go at you spread betters, but not like some of the spread betters who have to put at the top of their websites, 80% of customers who trade on this site lose money. Mm. We want them to come back, don't we? Yeah, can't disagree with anything you've said at this point. Nothing? Nothing. Hmm. What's coming up then? Uh, Well, still to come on the programme, we've got a lot more JB Diamond tape, so that's coming. Uh, The WTO rules the first round of US tariffs on China more than two years ago were illegal. Uh, We're going to bring you President Trump's reaction to that in just a moment. And for more on Jamie Diamond's thoughts on the market and the Fed, check out the Squawk Box podcast. (laughs) 
ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give to someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on cnbc.com. The World Trade Organization has ruled some U.S. tariffs against China are illegal. A, oh, that's going to sit well with the president, isn't it? He loves the WTO anyway, doesn't he? Oh, dear. Uh, a WTO panel said Washington's first 2018 round of levies on $200 billion worth of goods broke the rules because they applied only to China and were above maximum levels. U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, yeah, guess what? He attacked the decision as completely inadequate. Meanwhile, the president, yeah, here we go. I haven't read this. Let's see what he said. He said the ruling confirmed the WTO was biased. We'll have to do something about the WTO because they've let China get away with murder. They consider China to be a, a developing nation. And by as a developing nation, I'm not a big fan of the WTO. That I can tell you right now. Maybe they did us a big favor. Talking about prodding the tiger, I mean, the president said many, many times how he feels about a lot of these multilateral institutions, and the WTO has had particular fire. And to be fair, all the candidates we've interviewed for the new job taken over from Azevedo at the WTO have said, oh, we need to reform it from the bottom upwards, or, you know, so... A lot of people who want to be the candidates are kind of agreeing with the president about the WTO. The issue with the WTO, I think, is that they have a narrow remit. And on the narrow remit that they have, then it is clear, as they've come up with, that there was a, a, a breach. Yeah. But if you expand the remit and you talk about the things that President Trump has been talking about and the administration has been talking about, and you look at them more holistically, like the issues of lack of market access for some goods, which is only going to worsen now that this TikTok story has hastened Beijing to impose its own limits on yes. the export of technology. It's also going to limit market access of technology companies into China. But of course, that's not what we're talking about in this very narrow definition that the WTO has given on US tariffs here. And as you point out, you know, uh, the president said, we're out of UNESCO. Uh, the president's not happy about the WHO. Uh, the out president's. Of COP, uh, COP21. President's unhappy about the WTO. Came so out there, Multilateral organizations. Not yeah. for President Trump. Well, Jeff mentioned uh, TikTok. The president says a deal with TikTok and Oracle is close after the U.S. Committee on Foreign Investment reportedly reviewed the proposed partnership yesterday. Trump also praised Oracle's approach to the agreement. We're going to make a decision pretty soon. Uh, I have a high respect for Larry Ellison. He's somebody I know. He's been uh, really a terrific guy for a long time. So we're going to take a look. I heard they're very close to a deal. And we'll be looking at the TikTok deal with Larry Ellison and Oracle. Uh, well, I spoke to Microsoft Executive Vice President Jean-Philippe Courtois about what's next for Microsoft after TikTok apparently rejected its takeover bid. I'm not going to add any more words, Jeff, to, to, this, uh, to the comments we made publicly. And uh, we keep going with, the, the, again, the core mission of a company where we want to enable the customer success of many organizations on the planet. And that's a lot. 
So I think, uh, what, in cricketing terms, you'd, you'd call that a forward defence uh, stance. I mean, he basically just batted me away and had nothing more to add yeah. on the TikTok story. Yeah, it's, it's, um, mm. it's a strange story, isn't it? This it has is. to be an outright sale to a US company. <clears throat> now Larry Ellison, who I'm told is one of the few Silicon Valley people who the president mm. gets on with, actually looks like he might have clinched the deal by not purchasing these assets, but just having some form of agreement. Yeah. It's confusing, though, isn't it? How does uh, ByteDance, which is a multi-billion dollar company in its own right, mm. work side, side by side with Oracle, and yet there is integrity of data and systems and no overlapping? I mean, I, I, re- I heard um, uh, uh, Jim uh, uh, on our own channel... Kramer. Uh, Kramer, mm. uh, expressing his concerns mm. that this... It, you know, if Microsoft had done the deal, this would be a backdoor into Microsoft oh, wow. for the Chinese. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, if he if he moves in the same circles as President Trump, perhaps that's the messaging that, I don't know, maybe they're concerned that Oracle... Mm. What did you also ask about, be. anyway? Did you talk about data privacy? Yes, I all? did. Uh, should, we, should we talk about that? I also <laughs> asked uh, Mr Courtois about data privacy and the company's role in ensuring customer data is protected. It's very clear to us that we've seen over the past many years, but even more recently, last 12, 18 months, uh, growing legislation. And I think a lot of that was due, actually. And we've been very eager as a company back a few years ago, as an example, to be the first company to embrace GDPR at the core of the EU, as you know, and that has become a standard when it comes to data privacy, even globally, you know, in California, in Asia, many, many countries and regions actually are taking up on GDPR. Beyond GDPR, there's a lot more to be done, a lot more to be done to provide, in a way, uh, transparency, visibility in terms of the data contract between a consumer, a citizen, and a tech company. And what it means, what it implies, what it implies in terms of the usage of the data, what it implies in terms of the processing of the data. And we are very, uh, I would say, determined as a company to be, and we participate to many of the discussions, uh, the same when it comes to data and AI. As you know, there's a lot going on, of course, on the way data governance should happen, the way we accept or we disagree to engage on some projects that are not necessarily driving a positive outcome for the society. And I think that's something as well we are very keen to be part of uh, from a policy engagement. So you will see Microsoft and other tech companies, not just Microsoft, of course, being alongside of governments, institutions, and NGOs as well, by the way, to make sure we, we reshape and we, we evolve in a way the policies needed uh, to make that uh, technology world more inclusive for everyone on the planet. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.